Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Chicago's Legal Latte, a series of podcasts brought to you by Lavelle Law Limited. Throughout this series, the attorneys from Lavelle Law will share their answers to questions about a variety of topics for individuals and small businesses. To participate in today's discussion, you can email us at podcast at lavellelaw.com. Over the last uh, couple of decades, really, it, it certainly seemed that any open plot of land in, in, in a populous area was, was destined to soon become the site of a strip mall or perhaps a larger retail complex. The extraordinary growth of everything from, from quick-serve food providers to nail salons and small retailers uh, seemed to fuel and support that growth, at least for a while. Uh, hi, everybody. Jim Mitchell, and uh, very pleased to be back with you for another edition of our weekly podcast Today, we're going to discuss the status of, of filling those locations and learn about the changes in the uh, business environment and some new dynamics in uh, maybe tenant-landlord relationships and, and how uh, people are trying to fill open spots at the moment. Joining me today is Attorney Carrie Lavelle. Carrie's a partner at Lavelle Law and has a long history of uh, negotiating leases and working with anchor tenants in particular in this area, so we'll learn quite a bit. Uh, Carrie, great to talk to you today. Uh, thanks so much, Jim. Thanks for having me on. There's a lot going on here in this area. Well, you know, it seems like so many businesses, if you look at a, a business or an industry from manufacturing to the service sector, there, there's just, you know, constant change. That's the way industries go. As you look at the retail industry and, and maybe even urban planning associated with, with retail outlets, you know, what, what changes stand out to you in recent years? Well, th- this whole topic cannot even be discussed without like a full understanding of the effects of online purchasing. And uh, everyone reads around Christmas time how the total uh, online spend increases every year by 10 to 15 percent, and they track that around Christmas time. But the truth of the matter is, it's growing at, a, at the same or higher rate every month of the year which uh, continues to hurt the brick-and-mortar retailers uh, that at one time populated all our strip centers and shopping malls uh, up and down the main arteries in our towns and communities. And that was something really I think a lot of people didn't foresee. So when the building boom was happening, even if it was 10 years ago, uh, I don't think people really expected that that type of backlash would occur. Right. I think the online purchases were always just sort of like add-on purchases, and uh, it was in addition to. But whether you categorize our shopping centers and strip centers in at least four different components, you have your technology sector that used to sell heavily in strip centers, apparel, um, big box home improvement stores, or the Walmart, Target food store category, um, every one of those categories are getting hit hard with uh, online purchases. It's unbelievable. It's, it's, yeah, and it's, so is that why as we go by these malls of various sizes, um, you know, small to some of the intermediate and even larger sizes, if, if the Internet is, is taking business away, why suddenly we see so many of those slots filled by things that can't be bought over the Internet, like sandwiches and nail salons? Right, still to this day, that those are strong uh, tenants, but just keep in mind that those are small, local, mom-and-pop shops that are still starting up their businesses. And remember, our, our economy's been limp, limping along now for quite a few years, 
and there's even less risk-taking with the local entrepreneur who wants to start a salon, a pizza place, those kind of things. So it, it's, it's getting hit both sides. The, the Internet is taken away from a lot of those categories that I just mentioned that make up the larger boxes that become anchor tenants in the centers. And then even the limping economy is freezing out some would-be entrepreneurs from opening their own businesses. And one other footnote there is the market has even turned around and started to go down uh, with, a, with a big adjustment about six months ago. People's 401ks go down. Their IRAs go down. They feel less wealthy. They're less inclined to take a risk. And uh, the risk-taking is, is nothing like it was in the early um, you know, 2000s to 2007. Well, as I mentioned in the beginning, you, you have dealt in, in this uh, space for, for many years, and, and I know you talk and deal with uh, developers and property managers. You know, what are they saying right now? I mean, how, how do they feel about what's happening, and do they have any solutions and ways to adapt? Well, I will tell you, I do talk to them all the time, every day, and we have a lot of clients that have strip centers, and we've got a lot of clients who are really in the property management business. And what they are saying that in 2005 and 2004, that they, if they were getting $20 a square foot or $18 a square foot for rent in a shopping center, they're now down to 12 and $13 a square foot. When they went down to $15 a square foot, it was, uh, it was, it was torture. It was, it was brutal. Now they're down below 13 like I said, in the 12 to $13 a square foot. And, um, and that's what you have to do to incentivize people to take a risk on your property, to open their business, and to uh, get tenants into your center. The big box stores, again, whether it be in any one of those categories, apparel, home improvement, uh, food, uh, technology, they have different uh, criteria for opening. They want to only now open selectively on main arteries that have very large traffic counts, and, uh, those, and, and that's just part of their matrix of determining where they're going to open. They are not going to take a risk on a secondary street as a destination store where people will come looking and find them and shop there. There's just not that kind of confidence anymore in the market. And there was there was a period where certain retailers were were moving towards owning their own property as opposed to leasing from from the developers. Um, who who has the advantage right now? Is are, are the big box and companies that are doing anything? Are they, are they leasing as opposed to worrying about ownership anymore? Uh, there's very little ownership going on. There are some large retailers even in the Chicago area that are pushing that risk to developers. They'll have a completely unaffiliated uh, entity of developers that will buy the land, build a building, outfit it with equipment, even a decor package, and leasing it in a turnkey operation to the big operator. And um, nobody wants to be faced with and confronted with a strip center that is 50% leased out and you become now, instead of running your retail operation, now you become a landlord and you hire a company, but you're also making leasing decisions constantly. People don't want to do it. People do not want to do it. 
Our conversation today features Attorney Kerry Lavelle of Lavelle Law. Uh, Kerry spent more than 25 years of his career dealing with commercial real estate leases, um, among other areas, and he's seen significant growth and change in, in his own law firm as well. Um, and to that end, in 2015, the American Bar Association published Kerry's book, The Business Guide to Law, Creating and Operating a Successful Law Firm. So he's well-versed on change in business and how to successfully adapt. And the book, by the way, can be found on the American Bar Association website, shopamericanbar.org, um, a good read for a lot of different businesses. Um, Kerry, we, we talked about big box. We talked about uh, ownership and, and how there's kind of a shift going on. Um, you've dealt a lot with, with grocery stores, and in the past they were, I think, referred to generally as an anchor tenant. Um, what's that, that industry has, has changed dramatically as well in recent years. And, and in terms of the view of an anchor tenant, you know, what are developers looking for right now to, to create a draw for the smaller stores in the Strip? Still, it's, they're still looking for that same anchor tenant, whether it be a grocery store, a home improvement store, um, a, a Best Buy who is no longer really kind of out there aggressively. Um, that the, the landlords still need that big box filled where people are coming to regularly. Um, you, everyone has recognized the fact that the food industry has changed because the value shopper is now purchasing their groceries at Walmart and Target that have very good offerings, not necessarily the selection that a full-service um, conventional grocery store will have, but that's where that shopper is shopping and getting good prices. Walmart's the largest uh, retail grocer in the country, and... Um, the only news you need to hear on that is about uh, two months ago, Walmart announced that they were closing down uh, many of their small format urban stores, um, whereas a Walmart might be 150 to 200,000 square feet. They were opening 40,000 square foot grocery stores in the cities uh, around in our country, and they made an announcement to shut down many of those stores recently because they are losing food sales to online uh, retailers. I don't know if um, if you saw that uh, Amazon just came out with an announcement that they are going to be coming out with private label food products to purchase on Amazon, and I don't know how they're going to do it, but they're also going to sell perishables uh, through their distribution centers. It's... It's it's a changing landscape, and that news came out. It was in the Wall Street Journal just about a week or ten days ago that Amazon will start private labeling products um, and also uh, perishables. Well, as we said, the industries continue to change. Now, you you talked about the value or the price points for for leasing square footage rates, um, and we talked about some of the other factors that impact the risk a small retailer might take. Uh, some states now have also started to adopt and increase um, minimum wage levels, which is going to greatly impact some of these uh, smaller and even the bigger uh, retailers. What, what does that start to do in terms of uh, how this impacts retail space? Well, I don't think it's going to be uh, healthy at all, and that's not a political statement on mm-hmm. the on the effect of raising minimum wage. It's just a reality of raising the cost of operations in a uh, brick-and-mortar environment. So you have to have labor, 
Um, the, there's no doubt that whether you go to a Target, a Walmart, a, a Kroger, a Jewel, um, you, there's there's got to be people in the store servicing you. Those are those are service-related businesses. It looks like you're walking out with canned goods and produce and meat, but how they present it and how they take care of you is the lasting impression of the service component of going into that store. As that service component increases in cost, the entire operation either has to increase in cost or the service level will drop. In other words, if they have less employees in the store and it's more of a have at it and you will not see many uh, uh, people in the store, then the service level is going to drop. So, again, it seems to me those two alternatives, higher prices or less service, will drive more people to online purchasing. And that's going to be true, we're talking about it in the context of food purchases, but I think that's going to be true in the big box retailers uh, for home improvement, the apparel. I mean, who would have thought <clears throat> 10 years ago so much apparel and shoes would have been purchased mm -hmm. online? I mean, I come from the school of I want to try something on, particularly shoes, to make sure they fit and they feel good. But shoes are incredibly uh, high-volume online um, sales uh, through Zappos and other uh, providers. It's incredible. Well, 30 seconds left here. Uh, you talked about uh, risk takers. Uh, someone who is a savvy business person, they want to open something. Do they have some leverage? I mean, what kind of asks are they taking to the landlords now and saying, look, I'll lease your space if I get X? Uh, really low uh, rates, uh, very low commitment of time. Uh, in other words, what used to be a three- and a five-year lease could now be a one- or a two-year lease with extension options on them, um, possibly some build-out. Usually the a landlord won't do that with a very short-term lease. And it is a buyer's market there for retail space. So if you're in, inclined to start a new business, now's the time to get some good space at a cheap price. Well, many thanks to uh, Attorney Kerry Lavelle for joining us today. As time expires, let me point you back to LavelleLaw.com. You can find more information on commercial real estate, small businesses, a number of great topics, uh, as well as articles uh, on these various topics, introductions to a number of the different attorneys, and, of course, all of our podcasts as well. So uh, we point you in that direction, LavelleLaw.com, and, of course, always ask you to come back and join us each week for each additional edition of Chicago's Legal Latte. Thanks for being here.